Hey guys, it's Lauren Schmidt, Director of Ministry at Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Tonight as we look at Luke chapter 9, we're going to see an example of the disciples missing the point of thinking that they know what's going on when they are really so close and yet so far away. We have something that they didn't though, and that is we have their example to learn from. I was once told to learn from other people's mistakes and to make your own. Don't keep repeating theirs. And we see that here. We have an example of a situation that we too can learn from, and that's what we're going to do tonight. And in Luke chapter 9, right smack in the middle of the chapter, we have something that's known as the transfiguration account. It, of course, is when Jesus was transfigured like deity. And Luke places this story, interestingly enough, and you know, as we look at the Bible and we look at passages in Scripture, we have to look at them in light of what goes before and what has come behind. And what we see here in the middle of Luke chapter 9 is that Luke has just gotten done explaining to us that Jesus Christ told people what it meant to take up their cross and follow Jesus. So hold on to that. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said, in the account prior to this one. And then in the next one, we see an encounter with Jesus and Jewish people as someone is brought to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus, it's almost like he's frustrated as he has this encounter in the next passage. And he essentially says, basically, what am I going to do with you guys? You're just not getting it. You're missing the point. So right here in the middle is a very interesting account that I absolutely love that really lends meaning to both of the others. And it's important that Luke puts it here, because again, not a chronology, but a theology of who Jesus Christ is and why it's important. So as we have this particular account, Luke tells us some specifics, but not others. And as we've looked at the other passages prior, we see that Luke does give us some details, but then he omits others, because what he is doing is telling us an example of something that occurs in Jesus' life, and he wants us to have just enough information to be able to follow, and he wants us Not to have all the information, but to have the right information. So that we can understand what it is that he wants us to know. So he tells us in 28, in in Luke chapter 9, he starts out by saying, Now about eight days after these sayings. So he anchors it on the fact that Jesus Christ, a little over a week ago, has told the disciples and the others who are around and who are listening what it means to take up one's cross and follow him. And of course, much in disciple fashion, they truly didn't understand exactly what he was saying. Some of them might have thought they had it figured out, but they really didn't know all of it yet. So eight days goes by after that, a little over a week, and now Jesus takes three of the disciples with him, his closest disciples, up onto a mountain to pray. This wasn't uncommon. Jesus would often go off to pray places, and so he takes these three with him, Peter, James, and John. And Luke tells us, as they go up onto the mountain, imagine you're the fourth disciple. You're up there with them. Jesus says, okay, we're going to go up to the mountain, I'm going to commune with the Father, and I want you to to pray with me. You're like, oh yeah, you have the best of intentions, you're going to go up there, you're going to pray, and and that's that's what you do, it's what Jesus does often. So you go up there, we go up there with him, and as he's praying... His face begins to change. We see that he begins to change. His clothes become dazzling white. I don't know what kind of detergent it is, but it is the brightest white you can possibly imagine. And his face alters, and there's a glory, a deity there. It's unmistakable at that point. 
And two other people join him who also were in glory. We know that these are Moses and Elijah. I don't know if they would have recognized right away who it would have been, if there would have been some kind of divine sense that told them that. Because these guys had never seen Moses or Elijah before. But even though they miss a lot, they do figure some things out from time to time. And it seems like they might have understood who this was. And these two men appeared, and they're talking with Jesus. And interestingly, they're talking with Jesus about what was to come for Jesus, where he was going, what he was going to do, how he was going to Jerusalem, and going to Jerusalem to die. He knew the course that he was on. And he's talking with these two men about it. And we probably think, yeah, we'd be right there, right? Listening in. Wanting to take in every word that these guys were saying. Trying to understand what Jesus was doing and where he was going and where he was leading us. And we think we'd be right in the thick of things listening, right? These guys were passed out. They were, they were asleep. We're told that they were heavy with sleep. So as Jesus' face changes and his clothes turn to white and Moses and Elijah appear, Peter, James, and John are zonked out. Like they're watching a football game on the couch. Gone. They miss it. They don't hear what's happening, what's taking place. The discussion about Jesus' departure that's going on between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. They're asleep. And if we're being honest, lest we dog those guys too much, we probably would be too. So they don't hear it. But at some point we see that they wake up. They're passed out, but when they became fully awake, they saw the glory. So imagine that you, you did, you climbed this mountain, you don't know how tired you are, I mean, you've been traveling with Jesus, it's probably very exhausting to walk that much and to do that ministry, and people, interacting with people and doing ministry is a draining activity. So, it's really not that surprising that they were that sleepy. But just imagine, you're up on that mountain, you're praying with Jesus, and you fall asleep while you're praying, and then all of a sudden you wake up, and Jesus looks different, and there's two people who are shining in glory right there in front of you. At first, I don't know about you, but at first I would be like, whoa, what happened? Who are these guys? Where do they come from? What's going on? But we see that they kind of pick a little bit of it up pretty quickly there. So they become fully awake. They see the glory of these two men who stood with them. And it looks like Moses and Elijah are about to leave. They, they finish their conversation with Jesus about what he was going to be going to Jerusalem to do, to die on a cross for us. And Peter, being the proactive one, the bold one, the one who often did things first, he comes up with a great idea. As the guys were leaving, Peter says, Jesus, wait, wait, I think we can do something here to commemorate this event. He says to them, I think we should build some tents for them. We should make some tents for them. And what he was talking about when he says tents, it's not like a tent like when we go camping and we imagine sleeping outside. It's not that kind of a tent, but rather it's a tabernacle or a place that represents a place of worship. So Peter concocts this idea. He thinks it's a great idea. He says, Jesus, got this great idea. We really need to remember this event. We need to build something here so that when others see it, they can see that this was a place that something awesome happened. And it, uh, make a memorial for this thing. Build these three tabernacles so that they see that you were here and you were here with Moses and Elijah. And it's interesting, because he's laying this plan out, he's giving him all the details, he probably came with a bunch of blueprints on the fly, and he's like, if we just put this one here, and this one there, and this one here, it'll be, that'll be the best that we can do, and we'll bring honor and glory to you. 
And it says that Luke gives us this little reference. It's not in parentheses like we usually get. And you know, we, I like to point those out when we run into those, right, in the accounts, where you get the author writing some little extra notes, just so you don't miss this. We see, though, this, we instead get a hyphen. So as Peter giving this plan to Jesus about what he wants to do to build the tents, Luke tells us, not knowing what he said. So Peter, for whatever reason, he has this plan, and Luke wants us to know that he's so close, but not quite there on what's happening. He doesn't know what he's saying. I love those little notations. Fantastic. Because it, it really keys us in on the dynamics of the situation that's happening. Because it seems like a good idea in theory, but in practice, less so. So he's given this Jesus' his plan to build these tents. He gets cut off by God. It's, an, uh, it's fantastic. Imagine you're there. You're just kind of like brushing your eyes out because, man, you were sleeping hard. And so were the other three guys. And Peter is Peter, and he's rapid fire laying this plan out for Jesus, and then all of a sudden he gets cut off by a voice. That would be wild, right? That's what happened. So it says, as he was saying these things, so Peter's probably in mid-sentence while he's laying this out, a cloud came over them and overshadowed them. And it, it came over them. It says overshadowed, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. So again, you're... you're trying to come to, you're trying to assess the situation and figure out what's happening, and now a cloud has come in and it's covered you. And there's a voice even, a voice came from the cloud, saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him! With an exclamation. It's cut off by God. So then we see, as when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. So the cloud is gone, the voice is gone, the other guys are gone. And there's Jesus, just Jesus. And the disciples, I would imagine, and we, if we were there, I would imagine, that's the only thing we see. Peter thought he had it all figured out. He thought that the kingdom and building God's kingdom, which is what Jesus had been preaching about, was about building tabernacles and places of worship. And even though Jesus had already at this point talked about what his mission was and what the Father had for him to some degree, he saw an opportunity to build the kingdom in the way that he thought was best, but he'd entirely missed the point of what building a kingdom was all about. He thought it was about building tabernacles, structures, and I wouldn't be surprised if he thought, Jesus, if we just build these tents, look at how many people would come. They would come up here on the mountain. They would come up here. We could worship with them. They could meet you here. And if we just build them big enough and nice enough, then that's going to be what it takes to build the kingdom of God. And God says, nope. That's not what it's about. It's about something else. It's about listening to my son. I think it's important to note that as he was discussing what was going to happen in Jerusalem with Moses and Elijah, he was essentially talking to them about going to the cross. He was talking to them about what he had laid before him, how he was going to suffer, and we find that in other Gospels and places in the Bible, about what he would do for us so that we could be saved. It was about going to 
the cross. Because that was the point. The cross is the point of the Christian life. And Peter and James and John had missed it. They were sleeping. And then when they came to, Peter came up with another idea in order to accomplish what he probably thought was the same objective, but easier. But we see as we think about the Christian life today and we look at God's word and we look at this particular account that Jesus still wants us to look to the cross. That if God were so inclined, he could part the ceiling on this building tonight and he could speak down and he could say, look at my son, listen to him. Because he is the way. The cross is the way. So as we think about this text and we think about the point of it and what the point of this whole encounter is, we have to first ask, what are some things that could keep us from getting the point? What are some things that could continue to make us miss it if we don't address them and deal with them? Well, I think it's interesting to note that the one thing that could keep us from getting the point, that Jesus Christ and the cross is the point, is that we could let the complacency of familiarity lead to sleeping on the job. So these guys, and probably us if we're being honest and self-aware, these guys were so familiar with hanging out with Jesus and going with him and probably even praying with him that this was probably not, and we know it's not if we know the Garden of Gethsemane, the first time that they've fallen asleep on him while it was time to pray. Because we can get so complacent with Jesus and the things that we believe that Jesus wants us to do that we can kind of mentally check out and essentially spiritually go to sleep. We can become complacent about what the Christian life is about and the importance of the cross and Christ's crucifixion. It can become so familiar that we can just end up missing it when it's right in front of us because we've allowed it to become so familiar that we get spiritually lazy. We see that having a complacency from familiarity can lead us to just spiritually falling asleep. And it happens all the time. Whether you go to church on Monday or Sunday or somewhere in between, there are so many times that we go that we just kind of check out and we mentally and we go through the motions as we walk in. We do the same stuff that we've always done in the same way. We talk to the same people. We're here for the same reasons. We enjoy the same things. We sing the same songs. We look at the same passages. And we just go, okay, getting it done. And then moving on with my day. Even though we have the very word of God at our fingertips, we get complacent because we let it get familiar. So we fall asleep. That's the first thing that could be a problem that could keep us from getting the point of what it means to follow Jesus and be a, be a believer in, in Christ. Another problem that could get in the way of us getting the point of what God wanted us to see here is there can be a temptation to build the kingdom without going through the cross. We can look for other ways in order to try to accomplish this idea of doing the Christian life in such a way of focusing on building a building or a ministry or, or doing anything else that's not as difficult as suffering for Jesus Christ. Because humans innately try to avoid suffering. We try to mitigate it and lessen it and make things easier. We look for ways to cope and numb ourselves. And even in the Christian life, we look for shortcuts that are less painful and easier to accomplish. So we do things and we spend our time throughout the week and even on the weekends at church doing the easy things that we like that make us feel good. And you even see it in churches where 
there's less of a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the cross. And a discussion about hell and eternal suffering. We don't like to talk about those things anymore because they're not nice. But they're the point. They're what Jesus was here to do. To redeem His people and suffer and die for us on a cross so that we could have our relationship restored with the Father. With His Father. With our Father, God. So we look for other things to make the Christian life about. Whether it's, it's building a bigger, nicer church or having more people come or doing this ministry or that ministry. And talking about other things rather than talking with people about the hard things of where you stand with Jesus and whether or not you know Him and if you died today, that you would go to be with the Father in heaven forever because you've had your sins forgiven because Jesus Christ suffered and died for those sins. We try to build the kingdom without going through the cross. So we can get complacent with familiarity. Lazy. We can try to build a kingdom by building tents rather than going through Jerusalem and through the cross. And the last thing that can get in the way of us getting the point of what Jesus was here for and what he was doing is that we can hold on to the desire of experience over the drudgery of the cross. What I mean by that is simply this. If you look at the last verse, 36. Held off on this one. Verse 36. These guys are up there. We're up there on the mountain. We've seen the most amazing thing, or at least part of it anyway, when we woke up. And we're trying to catch up. We're watching Peter give a sales pitch to Jesus. God interrupting him and saying, nope, it's about Jesus. That's what this is all about. So they have this experience. We're up there. We have this experience. Verse 36. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Get this. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. So Luke found out later, he got this as a secondhand account from one of those three guys. Because they didn't say anything to anyone at that point about what had happened. They were humble. They kept it themselves. Because God had said, look guys, you, you missed it. That's not what this is about. Jesus is what it's about. And they had to process that. And so they thought about it, and they put it down deep, and they are like, oh man, wow, I'm going to rethink this whole kingdom thing. Because what Peter was talking about was not uncommon in Jewish thought, because they believed that the ones who believed that Jesus was the Messiah were just waiting for him to all of a sudden establish his kingship and to even build an army in order to push back against their national enemies. And they thought Jesus was going to be this, this great warrior who was going to lead them to victory. And so Peter probably thought, yeah, this might get, we could get some, some uh, momentum going with this thing if we build these tents. But we see that they were humble. And, and they were processing what they experienced. And they didn't let the experience become the focus when they came down off the mountain. Because man, how tempting would it be to run to the other guys and be like, hey, you guys will never believe what I just saw. While you guys were trying to fish for lunch, we were up there seeing Jesus in all of his glory, and we saw Moses and Elijah too. I mean, how tempting would that be, right? I mean, it's an amazing thing you would want to tell people about, and you would think that maybe you should. And you make it about the experience, and completely miss the point that it wasn't about the experience. It was about Jesus Christ. And we can be tempted to have a desire for the experience over the drudgery of the cross. We want to make the Christian life about exciting events and things that happen 
we might make it about all these awesome things, even in our testimony. I don't know if you ever heard a testimony where somebody made their testimony about them and the focus was on them rather than it being on who Jesus was and how he changed them, because that's what it should be. Spoiler alert. But sometimes we can make the Christian life about experience. I went to this camp or I went to this conference or I went to this place and this is what happened and it was awesome and now I'm doing this and this is what it means to be a Christian. And people are just going, ah, Christian life is about you, huh? I don't know about that. And we miss that it's about Jesus. It's about the cross. And it's about following him to the cross. Complacency. Familiarity, building the kingdom without going through the cross and desiring experience over the drudgery of the day-to-day faith that comes from following Jesus to the cross. These are things that can get in the way of us getting the point of the Christian life. So what do we do about that? How do we resolve that tension? What did Jesus want us to do when we struggle with those things so that we can get the point of who he is and what he did and why it matters for us? Well, first... We need to wake up to the awesomeness of Jesus in our faith. We need to recapture what it means to love the Lord and recapture what it means to know who Jesus is and what he lived for and why it mattered. And so, you know, that means reading the Gospels. That means seeing the mission that he was on, that God had sent him on, that he was here to accomplish. It means knowing what mattered to him. You know, not what matters to our church or matters to our a different affiliation or matters to whatever system of rules or religious, whatever that experience is, what matters to Jesus and recapturing that awesomeness of who he is and how he's changed our lives. Got to wake up. We have to stop spiritually sleeping and just going through the motions as we go throughout our days and we go to church and go to our Bible studies and our prayer groups and our men's and women's ministries and our children's ministries. We need to wake up and realize why we're going. And it's not just because we've always gone and it's the right thing to do. And it's because what we've been told we need to do in order to be a better Christian. We go because of Him. We go for Him. We go to get to know Him better and to love Him. We've got to wake up. It's the first thing that we got to do if we're going to resolve that tension of getting the point. The second is we need to come back to building his kingdom through souls saved and lives changed. That is the kingdom. That's how we build the kingdom. We build it on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and with the souls of men and women who've had their lives changed, who have been redeemed by the gospel. It's not about what we can implement or the size of our budget or the number of uh, people in the seats, or any other number of factors that we use to try to determine success. The true success in the kingdom building game is that souls are saved and lives are changed. People were in the kingdom of darkness and are now in the kingdom of light. That's the criteria. That's the metric by which the kingdom is measured. We've got to get back to that and not try to build the kingdom any other way. By just putting up tents. The last thing that we have to do. If we're going to get the point of who Jesus is. Was and and what that means for us. We have to. We just have to. And we're not going to as believers. And as the church in America. We have to. Have to. Have to. Have to. Have to. Especially with a watching world. Right now. 
there are wars going on in other countries. As Americans, we have to, have to, have to, have to accept that following Jesus Christ to the cross is always hard, generally painful, but the burden is always light because we go with Him. As Americans, we try to make everything easier and more convenient for, with less work and less pain and suffering involved. We don't have to work hard. We don't want to, especially in the Christian life because we worked hard all week at work and then we phoned it in at church. When that's a paycheck and this is our soul, we have to accept that following Christ is going to be tough. Going to the cross is a painful experience. Carrying the cross is rough, but it's worth it. Because we identify with the one who died for us. And not only that, he helps us carry it. Because he says, my cross is light. Because he's carrying it with us. It's not easy, but it's also not going to break us down to nothing. Because we're not carrying it alone. And that's the point. And we've got to make sure that we make we understand the point and we don't miss it. So why does that matter? Why does it matter whether we get the point or not about Jesus Christ being the focus of the Christian life and what it being all about? Well, if we don't get it, if we miss the point when it comes to Jesus, if the cross of Christ is not the focus of our faith, we can unintentionally lead others away from it as well. Because if the cross isn't the most important thing in our life, in our Christian faith, other people aren't going to see it. They're going to look at what we do. They're going to look at where we go. They're going to look at what seems to be most important to us, which is all the other things. And they're going to think that's the way to salvation. When Jesus Christ says, the only way to the Father is through me. It's not through the tabernacle. It's not through the religious rituals. It's not through being a good person. It's through me. When other people look at your life, do they see that the thing that's changed your life and the thing that matters most is Jesus Christ? Or do they think it's something else? Because that's what they're going to be drawn to, whatever that is. When we don't look to the cross as the focus of our faith and we miss the point, we unintentionally lead others away from the cross as well. But on the flip side of that, what does it mean for our lives if we do get the point? That we do understand that the cross is the point. That going to the cross with Jesus Christ is the point. Well, if we do understand it, if we do get it, if we look to the cross and follow Jesus toward it, then we truly hear him. We truly hear him and we understand what this is all about. Because as God brought those clouds over the disciples, he said, listen to my son. If you want to truly hear Jesus Christ in your life, you do that by going to the cross. You don't do it by looking in other places and talking to other people. It's ultimately in your communion with Jesus Christ through your time in the Word and your time in prayer. And yes, to some degree, praying with and being with other people because God speaks through the other people in our lives. He does. But truly, to truly hear Jesus Christ in His voice, it only comes by understanding that the cross of Jesus Christ is what's most important in the Christian life. That's what matters most. Then we can truly hear Him. We have to put our eyes back on the cross. This week, I was talking with someone from Moody Radio, and we were talking about, somehow, the topic of salvation came up. And he shared with me a story 
of around when Billy Graham passed away in this few years back. Billy Graham is one of, one of my heroes in the faith as an evangelist, and I've read his books, and just his life, it's amazing. He's, God used him in some amazing ways. And when Billy Graham passed, Erwin Lutzer at that time, who was the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, was invited onto Moody Radio in order to talk about Billy Graham's life and to talk about the impact of his faith and his ministry. And Erwin Lutzer felt led of the Lord to share the gospel in this particular radio interview. He walked through what it means to be saved, and he walked through who Jesus is, and he walked through what it meant to be saved through the cross of Christ and why it matters. And this person that I was talking to, they told me that they just had this impression that if somebody was listening to Moody Radio, that they were probably a believer. Because of all the different teaching and preaching and the Christian music that they have on there and all the different ministry stuff, you know, he just believed that probably if someone was tuned into Moody Radio, they probably knew the Lord and they probably were a believer. Well, after Erwin Lutzer shared the gospel on Moody Radio that day and speaking about Billy Graham, Erwin Lutzer invited the listeners who were listening in that day to call in if they had heard the gospel and the cross of Christ and wanted to make a decision, or did make a decision for their faith, prayed with him over the radio, he invited them to, to text in the word me. Me. I'm the, I trusted Christ today because of what I heard. The gospel. The cross. And the person I was talking to said, yeah, we didn't really expect to get much, you know, maybe a couple few people. Because most people who listen to Moody Radio are Christians. They had 200 people that week text in me. 200 people come to Christ because the cross was shared. Because that's what it's about. 200. So they decided they would just continue this just to make sure that people, they wanted to see if there was anyone else because it was a wake-up call that, hey, not everyone who listens to Moody Radio is a believer. So they decided to leave it open for the rest of the year. They will leave it open for the rest of the year and just see how many people hear the gospel. We'll rebroadcast this interview several times just to see. Well, 5,000 me's later, and the, the, the person I was talking to was like, I was blown away, and I was humbled. And I realized that we can't take for granted that just because people listen to the radio or go to church or participate in ministries or have been in the church their entire life or whatever, we can't just assume that they know who Jesus Christ is and the importance of the cross. And it was that day that we refocused our efforts of communicating in simple ways what the Christian life is all about and why it's important to know who Jesus Christ is and why the cross matters more than anything else in the Christian life. You may think you have it all figured out. What it means to be a Christian. What it means to live for God. But tonight, I, I ask you this. Will you look toward the cross, no matter where you've been looking up to this point, will you look toward the cross and walk toward it with your life? Will you go with Jesus to the cross. As you look at your Christian life today, is there anything that God is showing you that you might have made more important than Jesus and the cross? Is there anything in your life, any person in your life, any activity in your life, anything in your life that you have made more important, whether you realized it or not? Is there anything that God is showing you? If there is, I want to invite you right now Confess that to him, to give that to him. 
say, God, I'm sorry. I've made my life and the Christian life about things other than your son on the cross. I'd also like to invite and encourage you over the next few moments in the quietness of your heart, over the next few moments, tell Jesus that you want to come back to making your faith all about him and all about the cross. And that you'll follow him toward it no matter what. Make that commitment to him. Tell Jesus you will follow him to the cross. You'll put your eyes on it and that you'll walk and that you know that he's going to carry it with you. Father God, thank you so much for tonight and for the opportunity to look at this account. To look at this event that happened and the lives of these guys and in your son's life. Thank you, God, for challenging us to refocus on the cross ourselves, to make our Christian life about that, about your son more than anything else. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who's listening today to this, that if they've never heard that the Christian life is all about trusting that Jesus Christ died for their sin on the cross, and that because of that death, that they could have their sins forgiven, and know what it means to be forgiven and to have a relationship with God forever in eternity. I pray that if there's anyone listening who did not know that, who had not heard that, who now is being led by your spirit to believe it today, that they would trust you by faith. And that today would be the day of their salvation and the day that they begin a new relationship with you. With the cross as their focus from here on out. God, thank you so much for loving us and sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And it's in your Son's name we pray today. Amen. God bless as you go forth to preach, teach, and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.